0: to right-hand traffic was successfully launched at 6 a.m. on the 4th of August, exactly two months today. The changeover to date has been smooth. Accidents connected with it, I'm happy to inform you, have been insignificant, bearing in mind the magnitude of the operation. It is interesting to know that the overall national accident rate has rather dropped. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cooper Cold Podcast, where we delve into the practices of Canadian and international artists in conjunction with their exhibitions at our gallery. This podcast emerged from our YouTube channel, which we developed in two thousand and twenty, and the audio of this particular episode is adapted from a video interview. My name is Magdalena Asimakis and I'm the Director of Research and Artist Relations at Cooper Cole, a contemporary art gallery in Toronto that was founded in 2012. This episode features a conversation between myself and the Toronto-based artist and curator, Timothy Yannick Hunter. Hunter's practice employs strategies of bricolage to examine non-neutral relationships relating to Black and afro diasporic experiences, as well as concurrent strategies of decolonization. His approach alternates between the exploratory and the didactic with a focus on the political, cultural and social richness of the Black diaspora. Hunter's work often delves into speculative narratives and the intersections of physical space, digital space and the intangible. He received his Bachelor of Arts from the University of Toronto and has been an artist in residence at the Art Gallery of Ontario and Pata Studios in Portugal. He will be included in the 2022 Toronto Biennial of Art and has exhibited at Gallery 44 and A Space Gallery, both in Toronto, 92Y in New York, the Art Gallery of Guelph, and Pata Studios in Barrero, Portugal, among others. Hunter lives and works in Toronto, where we recorded this interview in conjunction with his exhibition, Volcanic Spine, which opened in December, 2021. So here it is, hope you enjoy.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, cool. um, I thought we could just start, um, uh, you know, maybe it's a good place to start, just to think about this this idea of volcanic spine, what that means uh, for this project, and and uh, how you conceptualize this project.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess the, the for namesake, um, the whole exhibition kind of came uh, after the tail end of uh, my research and and my time doing the HEO residency, so. Um, one of the main things was uh, with uh, with me exploring the Montgomery collection. It's maybe, I I think around maybe 35 to 4,000 photographs collected by the AGO Um, and I was uh, gifted uh, through the residency and with the help of like Julie Crook um, engaged with the archive. So I have a, it's like a web platform called True and Functional. It's, it's an ongoing like time-based work. Uh, I call it time-based as it started in uh, mid 2020. And it's an ongoing project where I kind of create different uh, additions every, you know, it, there's no really set schedule, but I work on it through through throughout the years now. And um, with the residency, I was doing a lot of uh, material engagement with the, the photographs, and uh, one of my sessions, I was uh, given a binder full of photos in Martinique 1902 after, I think one of the most notable and most like disastrous uh, um, volcanic eruptions uh, at the time documented uh, Mount Pele in Martinique. and so. While I didn't create any works during the residency based on the story, it was one of those things that really stood out to me um, beyond like the casualties and beyond the uh, maybe um, colonial documentation of of the incident. It was more me, um, I guess the idea of the volcanic spine came out of uh, researching, and so this show here at Cooper Cole kind of just became a, almost a culmination of that research process. So, you know, um, aside from maybe key works in this show, I believe the, the the idea about like the volcanic spine is really just like a, a nod to the that research process, and the, so this show overall is kind of a nod to the, the research process, an engagement with archive story and telling and those kinds of things.
0: Um, and so, can you tell me what did you find particularly interesting about the eruption in Mount Pelée um, from in 1902? Um, I think you said it was less about the event than it was about the sort of lived experience of of you know the before and after, what that would have been like.
1: Totally. Like I I, I guess to expand. Um beyond just the incident, but like even in a general sense, when I'm looking at um, different archives, uh, whether it's image, uh, like photographs or video, or even audio and stuff. I think that, yeah, like the really fascinating thing is to think about um, the actual people and the the folks that were there before um, and after, especially with... uh, an incident like uh, Mount Pele and, and that eruption. I think, um, yeah, I, I feel like in an, also in a bigger sense, I would like to discuss and examine uh, diasporic history in ways other than just through a colonial gaze. And I felt like while wow, Mount Pele and the, the, the event there and the, the eruption there um, had casualties in the tens of thousands, right? Uh, Thinking about something like that, um, especially as a first generation Caribbean person outside of there, it's kind of looking into these historical moments and trying to maybe mm, reconcile uh, things through these stories and trying to see, I don't know, there's, there's a kind of certain feeling of closeness, even though, you know, being so, so, so awake uh, from those places. My background is Jamaican, by the way, to be specific. So, um, but I think in, in uh, thinking about the islands in particular and the Caribbean in particular, um, and then thinking about somewhere like Martinique and um, I don't know, like I, I, I can, I could kind of go long-winded about it, but like, I think about, uh, at the time, I was doing, working on an exhibition with Liz Akiriko and Catherine McKittrick and Isabella Okoro at, at Gallery 44, and Catherine had brought up, like, Fanon and Blisson, and I, all, I, I thought it was such a coincidence to read about this story in Martinique, where both of those uh, are, people are from, and thinking about, I guess, like these historical moments and, and, and kind of how it shapes, uh, culture and identity afterwards. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it fully answers the question, but I think yeah. it just like, yeah,
0: no, to- it does. Um, you know, because I think you're looking at it from the perspective of not like how it was historicized, but how it was felt and experienced. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I, yeah, that sort of leads to my next question, which you touched on at the beginning, which is like, I'm curious about how your practice works with colonial archives, um, or structures in general, like museum collections, um, I, and and how it, you know, how you sort of pull them out of that context and, and maybe reimagine them. Could you speak about that a bit?
1: Um. I mean, there's many motivations to my practice, but I think one of the main things is saying, yeah, taking these kind of documents or these uh, this material and thinking about like, yeah, how how can I kind of create like some sort of intervention with them in a way? It's kind of reclaiming power in a way, but it's also a part of maybe. you know, uh, like self-learning and, and teaching. And so it's, but then also trying to, yeah, like when you have something where the narrative has been controlled by, uh, uh, you know, the prevailing like, you know, white supremacist, like history, how, how do I take this, this material and try to understand it um, myself, right? Uh, you know, you might I might learn about a historical moment or an event, and it's like, how do I uh, synthesize this, uh, these moments? And, and 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 I don't know. I guess in a weird way, it's me like, trying to share my learnings with. Uh, to be honest, like my audience is like myself, so it's like, how do I share it with um, other Black artists or uh, cultural workers or even in the greater community, right? Like how do I, um, yeah, just share these stories? Yeah,
0: and it's sort of, I mean, it's its interesting because like, um, you know, when you think about taking images like sourcing images from archives or collections um, to pull sort of pull them out and you know use them in your work is um you know some might think that that's like a a a gesture of decontextualizing right because we're so conditioned to think that context is um sort of the like dominant white framework of the you know canons of photography and art history and um all of these sort of uh power structures that have dominated the narrative and and you know um, defined the narrative as well so in fact what you're not you're not decontextualizing them right you're you're doing your own contextualizing um, that pulls away yeah. from that and decenters that
1: totally like I mean sometimes I might use the phrase like recontextualizing like mm-hmm. these are events that have happened with one way or another right so it's like um how to reshape them yeah. Um, And not like skew them necessarily, but it's how to like, okay, take the information and and, uh, kind of replay it or create, uh, you know, there's counter narratives and different phrases I'm sure people will use. But I think one of my big main motivations too, or material way of working, like as an artist, like I think about the remix and like remaking things. And I think that's really at the of those core things in my work whether it's with video or sound or anything it's like how do you take something that's uh pre-existing and then kind of presenting it in a new way so there's a a musicality that kind of also is attached to the work where i think of like okay like how do you sample and then um of represent it in in a way that uh, know it's kind of like beautifying it in a way too right history
0: yeah and how i mean and how do you right because it's like Mm -hmm. when i think about your work i think about so many media i think about you know video photography you know the works behind you right now are on textile and um you know so not only do you use different media but you also use uh diverse orientations and and sort of work with the bodily experience of the of the person encountering your art and so I, I'm wondering how do you um, like uh, what questions do you ask yourself to think about if you find an image like how it should be you know best presented like how do you sort of make that the media decisions and orientation decisions
1: mm-hmm. well it is intuitive in a way like I've definitely kind of I'm obsessive with making so i'm always like making things in one format like i you know a lot of my work is digital so uh, so i'm also graced with the ability to just work or at home or in, in my studio um, and so i don't know i guess like you know to kind of to your point me thinking about how people in, engage with the work i would think about space a lot right so like taking so i'll create this work but then it's like once i you know um for better it's like when i get to the space i can kind of start thinking about how people will move around the things the objects and um you know a video doesn't isn't just a, it's for me it's not important that it's just a standalone video like i can make video on my i can make video all day but then it's like thinking about like exactly like how people are going to work and um how they'll feel it in in different ways. Even again with sound, I think sound's a big part. It's sound in space. So it's like how will the sound guide people through a piece and how will uh and you know many installation, I think all installationaries think about this, right? Like how like what presence will the work have in, in relation to the viewer and stuff. So
0: yeah, that's interesting because you yeah, so what you're saying is you know you have these individual works in different media but you when you're working on an exhibition you think about how they're going to work together like you want to make sure you sort of hit different registers and within the space right
1: exactly and like it's like okay how do so yeah basically you know think about orientation or how things will be viewed it's like I might come in for example like with prior to the show I was thinking a lot about um also Catherine who is men- mentioning this idea of uh, opacity and like in the you know a very simplistic way yeah correct yeah Yeah. so in a very super simplistic way I was like oh like thinking about like this word opacity like we're talking about how like you know um within artwork, for example it's like you might create um as as black people are talking about something that maybe no one will understand unless you're uh, in the, the community, right? Or you've li- had that lived experience. And so you create work based on that lived experience. And so, you know, there might, this there's a sense of opacity. It's like, how do you kind of, um, yeah, like uh, relate and understand the work for people who are on the outside and for the creator, for myself and others, it's like, well, you know, it's more important that I'm just making, and so taking this idea, like so, something as simple as that conversation made me think about, you know, like um, literal, like opa- opaque fabric and non-opaque fabric and translucency and transparency and this kind of like idea in a material sense. And so, so Literally with the fabrics, I was like, oh, maybe I can... I don't know. I, I, something about that conversation made me make these works. <laughs> it's fabric. interesting,
0: yeah. Because I was going to ask you what what made you decide on the fabric, but this you know materializing this idea of opacity is so interesting, and I think of opacity is so important in your practice too. Um, and you know, I think that it, it's really fascinating the way you sort of leave um, gaps open, like you embrace that there's like a disjointedness to um, the way the groups come together, the fact that, you know, you don't, um, you know, it's, you say sometimes that your work is didactic, but sometimes it's exploratory, and I feel like that exploratory acknowledges the um, sort of, um, you know, cultural, there's cultural memory, and then there's gaps in cultural memory because of migration and because of, um, you know, displacement and things like that. And it's almost like that opacity and the gaps that you leave acknowledge that and respect that.
1: Exactly. And I think, I, I feel like um, that kind of gets to the root of a lot of my work. Is just like, yeah, like this idea of diasporic memory. And um, I, again, like thinking about myself personally as a first generation Canadian Jamaican, where it's like, you even even in visiting the island, like every year, seeing family and spending time, you have kind of uh, a different perspective on on uh, the lived experience with uh, in the diaspora and with family and friends. So it's very close, there's a closeness, obviously, with the work for me, but it's also thinking about yeah, like um, how basically like, how to make sense of. of all the fragments. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my 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 ongoing goal with the work. It's just like, how do you make sense of all of these parts? You know, thinking of black, the black history TM, right, as a whole, and then it's like, how do you then, um, you can't really encapsulate, like there's no such thing as like just black history. It's like, there's different experiences on different continents and different um, migration patterns and stuff and the geographies of, of, uh, of the black experiences, uh, not easily uh pinpointed yeah uh, and and so yeah i think the whole point is really trying to for me anyways it's really trying to kind of come to terms with that and um and again like thinking about uh the diaspora outside of just the colonial context there but it's not something you can't ignore right it's, it's a part of the issue, but it's like there's a you know it's to say it's a tree of histories there's not even enough uh, mm-hmm. to illustrate it but
0: totally and i mean and that there's multiple histories but also that those histories are still happening and moving and you know intersecting and They're not just like, you know, fixed, linear, you know, running in parallel to each other, but they're talking to each other too.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then, yeah. Well, even talking 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 without knowing you're, you're talking to each other. And so that's the part where I think it's fascinating. It's like, okay, well, you know um, how does maybe an artwork or, or, or something relate to maybe my experience here, but also to somebody in, Uh, Lagos like like there is some sort of connection um, I feel a spiritual kind of connection beyond maybe like the 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 material part but and I think the artwork is just trying to express that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I I feel that very much um, being in the installation too and just the sort of um, there is a feeling of you know you you, as you say you know there are ways that we read history but then there are ways that we learn history that are sort of um, more multifarious you know there's like many channels through which we learn and it's not just by you know reading and learning but also it's like you know things you find oral history you know it could be it's not all existing in writing Um, Mm -hmm. and I you know I think that the way I perceive your installation is very much about sort of um, playing on that diasporic consciousness and how you can pick up bits of knowledge and, and sort of they come together uh, in a way that you almost have to like reconcile within yourself. Um, from exactly. your particular perspective.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: and like, the, I was thinking as you were talking about um, this uh, quote by Oakley Wazer about the diaspora, and I wish I had it in front of me, but I, I love the way he described it because he was speaking about it as um, constantly moving, regrouping, reassessing, um, and having something, in, the thing that they have in common, people of the diaspora, the thing that they have in common is that um, is their home, which is not in fact their home. So there's like an unsettled, um nature to that that will keep you sort of in movement all the time um anyway i just it's not a question but just as you were speaking it reminded me of that that sort of um moving between registers all the time
1: absolutely yeah i think that's why for for me it's a little hard to kind of create these like total bodies of work where it's especially in a a contextual sense again material whether it's like video or sound or fabric or whatever have you that's like a simple thing to do but then it's like conceptually and then you're talking about such a um, dynamic experience it's like how do you pinpoint it um and I guess this is just to touch on your earlier kind of comment on my my work but yeah like I, I found just embracing that that um that fragmentation and the idea of home be right like yeah like where instead of spending your whole life trying to figure out what that means instead it's also recognizing that home is maybe many places and no places no place at the same time
0: yeah yeah that's a good way to say it (laughs) and the and your installations also you've described them as um being sort of visualizations or manifestations of your um self-guided research as as a person um from the Caribbean diaspora um, can you explain a bit about that that perspective or that yeah well i
1: totally so I feel like a lot like a lot of uh, young people um from the diaspora and more specifically like Canada you know it's like can really relate to the fact that you know Black history taught in, in our institutions is a very very linear conversation um, i think uh, I can't miss this but uh, camille Turner and her work with uh, the Afronautic, like research lab so she, she i had I volunteered <laughs> i had volunteered once in, uh, as as I guess one of her helpers for this project and I was already aware of the project but you know i, I think it's a, a good point to say is, I was really inspired by what she was doing with that project. And so, you know, what you'd have is like a table laid out with material uh, discussing like slavery um, in Canada and um, also like, you know, genocide of uh, indigenous population and um, oppression of the indigenous population and black population in Canada. And basically invites the viewers to come and sit down go through the material and comment on like their feelings about the the, the material. Um, and I I remember just being so um I, I feel like I learned maybe the most I have ever learned in my time just being there um, about like slave, black slavery in Canada and and um among other things. And so I, th- I thought to myself, um, and it, you know, it isn't just it wasn't a completely new thought, but you know, it's like an ongoing. I think my time as a young person making art has been highlighted by this idea of like community learned um, history, whether it's with Black Artists Union, like you know, as friends and and, and other young artists sitting together and just learning about these things, um, or through someone like a Camille Turner who will lay out the material and share it with uh, with people to the public. And so I think motivation of my work is very similar in the sense where uh, or actually just even thinking back it's just like yeah being a young person you don't you never lose things. And so I remember like just learning about slavery in Canada from her project Camille's project and I was just um, and you know, you, you hear things, but you never really have like the, the, the meat of it uh, displayed to you. And so I think that's kind of, when I think about my work as a self-guided uh, research or learning, it's really just that. It's like thinking about um, African history, uh, Caribbean history, history in the Americas in a much more broader um, way. You know, I think here it's like we often, um, Taught about like American Black history. There's a lot of there's. Um, it's kind of highlighted as by it. <laughs> It's a erasure of the Black history in in Canada, right? Like you have to I have to talk to my there to get stories to understand kind of the uh, you know the the, the 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 political and economic history uh, of this you know Canada in the '60s and '70s. Like why they came here, like why she came here, right? Why the why are my friends parents had come here and their grandparents um and so you know I think that uh, I'm not saying anything new but we all know this Canada has a really uh tough time admitting its role in in um the oppression of uh Black people so I find that with my work it's me just trying to like go back and like oh wow, like learn these things. And again, not just only through the lens of slavery in particular, which Camille Turner has done so succinctly and and, and, um, and smartly, but like for me, it's more just like, okay, like, like Mount Pele, like learning about this story. Like I, there's no other context in which I would have learned about the eruption um, if not through my practice. And it's something, even if it's something as simple um, yeah, there, there's a very, very simple histories, you know, I'll, I'll, learn about and then things like Mount Pele, which is huge, disastrous, uh, a natural disaster. But I think, you know, to make a, a long-winded answer, less long-winded, it's, 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 yeah, like, it's kind of, you know, it's like my own master's <laughs> program.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Me working, yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: no, that was such a great answer. And I, I, you know, I, I love too that, like, Um, You know, thinking about how you sort of started exploring this information being through Camille Turner's project, but also through um, your grandmother, you know, and you have books from your grandmother in your studio that you showed Mm -hmm. to you about um, political leaders in Jamaica and um, sort of, it's an interesting, you know, even though it's an older book, it's an interesting uh, learning process to read what your grandmother read. You know, and to think about oh, yeah. how that might have made an impression on her as well, um, and how she would have passed down that knowledge to you as well.
1: Yeah, no, and like, even that, like the, that book, um, Politics versus Economics, so, yeah, uh, it's a dry like sociology book about elections <laughs> in Jamaica, like from, I think, like the 70s to the 90s, or maybe, maybe 60s and 90s, but yeah, like, that book was one of many books among the books that my grandmother had just um, and some of them a lot of them she didn't read you know she just had these books like my, my grandma she, she you know she's like she got barrels. she had let's say had because she we got rid of them unfortunately but there's barrels and barrels of stuff she had intended to send back to Jamaica and like the, this book was a part of the boxes of books that she had intended to send back and it, it, I think it was really interesting. I, I don't know what really motivated me to, to grab that book. It could have just been the cover or something, but like I, I had just taken the book and uh, but yeah, like it's it's one of those things where uh, it's really by happenstance, you have to learn about these things in, in, in the general Canadian it, it, Canadian history, you learn these things in school. You, you even learn about European history in school. Like how many kids today are probably doing a class learning about uh, the Second World War, uh, literally only, only through the perspective of Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kids will learn more about you know uh, Britain than they'll learn about any any place, uh, any, other place other, any other place. And you're yeah. a Canadian, you know, and so this idea that like oh well you know we're uh, you know a lot of people can probably uh, relate where it's like you, you're a kid, and then there's always some like white kid who's like, oh, well, why is there Black History Month? There should be a white history month. And then you have to tell them like the whole thing is white history. The whole month. education so is this, white the history. Whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's like literally me um, taking, taking the initiative to, to go and do that. which many people have done before some people just need a different motivation i'm an artist and so i think through my practice is kind of the uh kind of conduit to to learning
0: yeah absolutely and you mentioned also um which i think is important black artists union um which you know I, i think it would be worthwhile to talk to talk about that um just in terms of uh what it is and how that sort of works with your practice, just, you know, for people who will watch this and don't maybe know the Toronto ecology that well.
1: Um,
0: it'd be nice to hear a bit about Black Artists Union.
1: Yeah, like, so we're like a, a group of young Black artists. We're getting older, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I mean, maybe it's like been, I don't even know, it's maybe four years. And so at, at the beginning, it was really simple premise of, uh there's a bunch of us are just friends who are happen to be artists and uh, um uh, it was kind of came to our minds like why don't we just do an exhibition and we just did one um in Kensington Market like years years ago and uh I think that first exhibition was the beginning of kind of a more organized uh body so you know it was really a simple premise of like oh like we are not really seeing um Young black artists showing, um, especially together. You might see some artists in some space or some other space, especially um, on the younger end, where it's like you don't really have much access to institutions, galleries, spaces. And so I think the idea was really just uh you know, we've strengthened numbers and you, we started with five, and today we're around like nine to 10 people. And, you know, it's not, it's always a precise. Number and then there's folks who um, are a part of it in the peripheries even, right? And so, yeah, I think it. one of the main things though, which I think was always important is, um, you know, this is more pre-pandemic because, you know, we've been under uh, kind of like the COVID-19 shadow for the last year, two years almost. And so prior to that, we'd meet like almost every week. And I think um, kind of back to talking about education and learning, I, you know, I think meeting um, as artists is great and but I find what we discuss more than even just only just practice and art is like uh, community building and ideas around, you know, our impact as artists. Um, and there's a lot of learnings that, that came with that, whether like learning how to organize and learning how to um, uh, disseminate artwork and work with other artists outside of the the core group and stuff. So, um, I mean, it's a dynamic kind of group where we also work as individual artists, but we've also done curatorial curatorial projects and, um, among other things, like screenings, different things. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's super fascinating. And did you, I mean, yeah, I think it's sort of like thinking about what you said about the beginning of, Black Artists Union being something, you know, just to sort of build a community and curate your own show and and um, sort of how that might relate to the polite racism of, of Can- that's more specific to Canada than the US, um, you know, it's there, but it just has like a different mask on. Um, and mm-hmm. do you think, um, like, do you think that there's, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, this is not about your exhibition, but it is like, I'm, I'm curious if you, what you've seen evolve over the last few years, is there an evolution or um, do you think it's sort of um, just like maybe morphing, but staying the same? Is it like, how does um, Black Artists Union, um, how has it been feeling beyond that, that sort of founding moment?
1: Oh, well, yeah, I guess it is in transition and we're still figuring, out uh, like exactly how to move and what we would like to do if we're talking about the group proper. Um, I think, you know, just like a lot of people, COVID-19 really put a shock and, and kind of gave everyone, everybody kind of re uh, perspective on, on, on just life in general, but also work and stuff. And so, you know, um, I'm happy to say that uh, at the top of the pandemic, um, other group members I put a lot of time in like helping out other artists through like grant program and um, kind of putting highlight on um other young artists who've been working um but yeah, I think really like you know um not to speak, it's a big group right so so there's a lot of us, but yeah, I, do sure. like, yeah, so I do feel like yeah uh, I do feel like you know um in in a plain sense, everyone's you know like the work, everyone's making uh, really interesting work and, and still uh, producing um, despite the, the challenges and stuff. But like, yeah, I, th- I feel like there's definitely a sense of like, you know, how to adapt to what's going on. And in terms of like your questions about things changing and like, so there's the Toronto landscape for black artists, you know, I can't really, not an authority necessarily to be able to say if things are different or not different, you know, let's, we'll be honest, like, uh, George Floyd and the, there's this um, time last year, where, you know, a lot of, um, there's been a lot of uh, spotlight on on black artists, but I think the main takeaway is that we've always been here working and Nothing has changed in terms of the quality of the work <laughs> at all. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> People have gotten better gotten, gotten, and gotten and developed like just like anybody would. But um, I feel like that's uh, an untapped uh, thing in the city, uh, in particular Toronto, uh, the black artists that are are working not only just in visual arts too. Like we're talking about music and um, the cultural work writers. Uh, thinkers
0: so yeah absolutely yeah there's a lot of catch up yeah it's great to hear about that and i might i might pull back into your show now um (laughs) so you're sitting in front of a video work but it's like a sculptural video work so i wanted to ask you about the Mm -hmm. there are two videos in the in the exhibition um and if you could just speak about um the way you um I mean, maybe the content for sure, but also how you decided to, to sort of position them, one really low on the ground and one sort of projecting up. Um, so it's a little like you almost look down at it.
1: Oh, yeah. So um, I guess, yeah, there's two pieces um, where, um, yeah, two video pieces like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I guess like, if, you know, if I'm going to talk about the screens and what they why I position them the way uh, I have, or thinking about the engagement with the screens. um, You know, I think we are also, we're in a time period where the screen is a very, um, like it's it's kind of a marker of the time period that we're in. And I I think thinking about the screen and how you engage with it is something that's really fascinating and like what it means and it's positioned in this one way or another, and this is really just like from again from a more like a, a making standpoint. But yeah, like I, I think um, with uh, uh, Pele's Tower, that the, the piece behind me, um, You're
0: like, that piece,
1: because
0: oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just right. So there. yeah, <laughs> oh yeah.
1: So it's 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 a uh, maybe like a three foot tall. Um, sculpture video, uh, can't really see it, but the video is playing. Mm-hmm. Or it's not playing now, actually. It's just, it's just yeah, there. But you
0: look down at it.
1: Exactly. It's around a minute long. and The images are a compilation of images, mostly from Martinique, uh, documentary footage from Martinique, spliced with uh, more footage from Martinique, actually, but then also, uh, uh, you know, just a Caribbean boys playing cricket. And uh, school children walking, many different things. So, this kind of a video collage within the sculpture. Um, and I guess to the right of me is um, uh, No More Accidents. This is a piece, uh, it's a short video uh, playing, um, I b- believe the, uh, the gentleman is a Brig- brigadier at Kufo. Um, And he discussing a very simple matter It's like the the change from left hand traffic to right hand traffic in Ghana. And it's just him kind of making this announcement over this uh, kind of this beat I made just with a loop. And so, yeah, um, I don't know, I guess, again, back to the idea so that, you know, let's the content for each piece back to the screens. I think it's just. you know, looking at a screen, your your phone is maybe the most uh, notable screen that that most of us uh, engage with every day. You don't, you look at the phone in your hand, looking down often. Um, when you're watching a film in the theater, like you have this like big screen that's like up and it, it takes your whole attention. You know, you have at, like advertisement, um, things that it, I feel like the screen is just this kind of like enveloping thing that, 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 uh, speaks to the time period you were in. And I don't know, I just find it's, it's you know, I also, one thing I talk about in my work is the the diaspora, Black diaspora, the African diaspora. But I'm also, I've also, I've also been very interested in uh, digital culture and the internet and and uh, technology. And this is why I use video and screens. And, and I guess it's just thinking about just how people, back to our old question, but about like, people engaging in a space and how to make people, uh, you know, it kind of makes people move differently in the, in, in the room or, um, or experience something differently. So the screen low to the floor, mm-hmm. screen flat facing up, um, kind of communicate something different. I'm not really, I like to not put myself in the position to tell people what that maybe feeling would be. They can, you might feel it's something else and, and come to your own feelings about what that makes you feel. But I don't know, I felt like looking at an image flat down was a <laughs> really interesting kind of orientation mm-hmm. for that kind of work, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and as a, as a shorter person, it's kind of harder too, because you're like, I can't oh yeah. <laughs> over too much, um, but that's, you know, it's, it, everybody's going to uh, sort of connect with it differently and, um, mm-hmm. So so what you're saying is that because we're we engage with screen so much in our day to day, but we only do in sort of the same ways over and over again. And so you trying to you're trying to make us um or you know uh draw attention to that, like maybe how we're so conditioned to do these same gestures every day. Is that
1: is that sort totally. of what you're saying? Yeah, and I think also it's just like you know, I, I think about it like maybe paint like as a painter or something, and it's you know, here's the there's a context, contextual uh, approach to my work, but there's also this technical approach, and it's like trying to figure out the medium of paint and uh, how I can kind of create certain illusions, right? So thinking about that with the screen as a material, it's thinking about like, oh, um, what kind of dynamics can I create uh, with the screen? I think um, even this way of working uh, in the, this room is kind of a modest approach to it, but That is intentional, right? Like for the the sake of this show, but also thinking about, you know, um, at a space I'm a solo there. I did work with projectors, and it's thinking about how, um, like with the circle piece, there's a large circle. Uh, piece I'd done and so I was thinking about that as like oh like screens often we witness them or experience them in uh, real rectangular or cube shapes it's like what about the circle what about flat what about you know the ceiling or the floor right like these are just kind of uh, me thinking about it in a material sense but like also drawn to the screen as a material because of kind of maybe the time time we're in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and actually it's funny because when I think of your A Space show, I think of the circular um, screens for or like the, the circular projections first, because I mm-hmm. remember thinking that I had not um, seen anything like that before. Um, so it just so just a point to say it does sort of work to refi- to revisceralize the way you, you know, look at screens or, or you know, projected images. Um, and I and and even... I, Sorry,
1: sorry. Sorry, I was just okay. even going to say, like, even to juxtapose, like, in this show where I have the CRT screens, and then, you know, you have the the an HD, like a really clean right. flat TV. It's like thinking about um, even like you know the relationship between those two uh, experiences, visual experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I was just going to say, I like the way that um you know sort of exhibition to exhibition, you don't um, use the same the same screens uh in in my experience you haven't I it's it's always very unexpected um Mm -hmm. so there's not really an opportunity to um feel a sense of you know mastery over your work that this sort of um more colonial way of of thinking about you know um uh gazing at images you know there's it's kind of always constantly changing and um and I think, I mean, that plays into what I was saying earlier, I guess, about movement as well, and just not being totally settled or assuming that images are fixed and can be totally understood um, from, from a singular perspective. Um, totally, so I yeah. really like that
1: about the work as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that, that is something I think about all the time is like from show to show or installation to installation is, you know, how to, yeah, like maybe kind of, push the medium a little bit further, Mm -hmm. whether it's splitting an image across four screens or, you know, the orientation, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I just have one more question, which is more, um, you know, just, I'm always curious um, if you're willing to share what you were reading or looking at when you, I mean, you said you were looking at the Montgomery collection um, sort of recently, you know, I was just, um, I'm always uh, interested to know what people are reading as they're, as they're making, or um, even if it's like an article that sort of stuck with them, I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, Dear Science by Katherine McKittrick. I've mentioned that to just about everyone this year. Um, that, that really is a text that, that really helped, like to really summarize the way I've been thinking um, I had suggested it to someone, and she's uh, a friend of mine, and she had said uh, it was very like affirming, and and that's how, and that was like kind of the perfect word for it. I was like, oh, it's really affirmative It makes you feel it's a text that makes makes you feel like oh, like you're working, what you're thinking about makes sense, makes and so sense that, that other yeah, it. exactly. So I feel like uh, uh, that, that that's definitely been a highlight. that uh, in terms of reading. Um, I'd mentioned also uh, Carl Stone, Politics versus Economics, that book, through reading it. And also um, some of the work here is a result of the, and like as collage, like images from that actual book. Um, I think with that book in particular, it talks about the Jamaican elections in such a kind of tumultuous but also like a very important time in Jamaica and so and I know this through my 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 dad you know so he would tell me about these stories and uh, Prime Minister Michael Manley and uh, and uh, so there's two parties in Jamaica the PNP and the JLP and my family at least my dad's side you know they're uh, People's National Party, and they're really, uh, I guess, big supporters of the, that party. And so, to hear the stories and like this, I guess, is like this feeling of like this working class uprising is what you know I'd hear from from him. And so, like finding this book that my grandma had, and I, 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 this was when I was on residency in Apata. and so I'd re- I was reading that. Uh, that whole time last year, I guess almost two years now, but rereading it this summer while working and working with the collection, the Montgomery collection, um, you know, um, I don't know if that's a book necessarily everyone would run and go pick up. That's why it's
0: interesting, right? It's not just like straight theory. It's like, oh, you know, other things feed into um, the way we think. And I think that that's really important and very true to your practice too. Um, Absolutely. So that's yeah. why I, was, I was curious. Um,
1: well, yeah. Was um, yeah. And then one last thing, I think there's like, a, um, I was reading um Oh, SAR and Savoy, I, I forget the first names, but it was like a just a restitution report from 2018, returning African art objects. And um, it was just the kind of like, I guess, a petition. Some people might know of it, but like, oh, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I had work, worked on a project where I was kind of doing research about restitution. And I read through that and that kind of influenced kind of some of the thinking, mm-hmm. uh, some quotes in there and some things that influenced the thinking. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow, that's great! <laughs> like I don't know what to yeah. say. But like a Good collection of, of reading yeah. and,
1: and, and music. Uh, like music, music is readings too. So like yeah, like exactly. Yeah, and and I, I won't really say one name or per, like musician or artist in particular, but like in my practice, I work a lot with sound, and so I'm often not often I'm always like listening to music and sampling and kind of getting uh, my uh, my. My inspiration from thinking through like really old music, like mm-hmm. it's kind of a pointless to name a genre necessarily. <laughs> so many, but like thinking about like like uh, music and uh, black music in particular as like a, a, a form of art making, and even as theory in its own different way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. And and you said that you made the sound on the video work as well, right? You you made it yeah,
1: Exactly. So on both, um uh yeah, on both. And uh actually the piece uh Pele's Tower here, and if anyone were to come see the show, there's audio playing out, and there's Kamal Baraklate, um uh, Caribbean poet who um, there's a vocal recording of him reciting one of his uh poems okay. uh and there are two uh, laid over um that are kind of more remixed i didn't really chop that particular uh, audio up i just kind of like layered the two over each other but um yeah like sound and um and stuff is, is definitely a big uh a big, uh, I guess, like tool for me. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I'm glad that you said that. That is really important, and um, and uh, yeah, because we didn't get to talk about sound too much, so that's that's a good gesture to future talks. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, we can end here. Um, thank you so much. It, it, your answers are so incredible and the exhibition is, is beautiful. So hopefully um, a lot of people will be able to come and see it in person and engage with it. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, so thanks Tim. Thanks. Have a good night.
1: <laughs> yeah, you too.
0: Okay, thanks everyone. Bye.